episode 229 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host, Stefan Botsko, as always. And once again, I'm joined by Lars Polman. Hello, Lars. Hello, Stefan. Are you excited for Der Klassiker Week, where nothing else than the championship is on the line? Yeah, I'm not sure which league you are referring to, but uh, in terms of the championship... Klassiker Week. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean, the, the Klassiker Week is obviously the most exciting one, as you can hear in the cadence of my voice. I am basically sleepless all week in anticipation of this hugely important fixture. Yes, um, it's Dortmund against Bayern once again. Um, there is just the uh, slight margin of 17 points. Uh, the only question for Bayern Munich this week is whether they will be able to celebrate this week or the next one. It will sort of depend whether Schalke win against Freiburg or not and whether Bayern win against Dortmund or not. And uh, we've got a special guest on our show this time from the very great and renowned Bayern Munich blog mirsanroth.de or for the English version mirsanroth.com. Michael Buck, hello, how are you doing? Cheers, Stefan, hello, thanks for having me on. Are you just as excited as Lars is about lifting the title this week or maybe next week? Um, I'm I'm probably just looking forward to the match, really. Um. I don't think it's huge if we lift the trophy in Dortmund or not. But yeah, I'm just hoping for a good match, to be honest. Although, that's probably not on the cards at the moment. Well, way to get cynical within the first two minutes of the Elwell pod. So unlike us. Um, we have a couple of uh, news to tick off. But before that, I proudly announced that we've got two sponsors for this episode on Patreon. It's Justin Pascal and Kyle Melching, who will be the proud owners of a Marco Royce Stadium Cup. So congrats to that. Um, yeah, to the news section, we have a couple of big news to present. First one is Lars has changed his Twitter profile pic. Lars, well, what's going on there? Uh, basically, the, when we talked about Twitter being our version of Tinder, obviously that made me, made me go, maybe I need to make sure people are actually swiping. I'm still not sure if it's right or left, but no, uh, I got a haircut and lost some weight actually so kind of wanted to uh show a more recent picture moving on please <laughs> all right uh michael zorg extended his deal until 2021 um quick assessment last we sort of already glossed over his uh yeah job for the next summer and the summers beyond of that uh, in, the, in the recent episode nonetheless uh, what do you think he has to do now. What does this mean for Dortmund stability-wise? Yada yada. Yeah, I mean it's a uh, very much an expected move. Uh, I think he now has once again a contract that runs one year longer than uh, Hans Joachim Watzkes, which kind of made me think the last time when they signed extensions until 2019. Uh, in I think Zorg's case, uh, it made me think that maybe Watzke was going to. Uh, hang up his business suit or whatever you want to say uh, and they wanted to have talk in place for the transition period uh, obviously now that might just be the case four years later or whenever uh, there was never any question that talk was going to leave the club or whatever uh, there are like every two or three years there are rumors that Arsenal are after him or whatever but that was never going to happen Michel Zorc is a Borussia Dortmund man for life and whenever he's not the sporting director anymore it's probably because he's going to be the president or in some other uh, even higher 
up the hierarchy standing in the club. So in terms of what he's got to do, uh, obviously the coaching appointment, uh, let's hope it's an appointment and not just an extension for Peter Stöger is the first step. But as we talked about in the Q&A episode during the international break, there's a lot of work to be done in the squad department and he needs to uh, hit at a better percentage than he has in the last few years. Otherwise, they run the risk of losing their status as the quote-unquote number two club in Germany. Yeah, I presume so. Um, little tidbit, Jaden Sancho was uh, expelled, I guess, for one friendly game, or was was it was it a qualifier? I don't even know. Uh, with the English under 19, it was, I think, under 21, for uh, being late to a team training last. Do you think that's, uh, I don't know, worrying about his discipline in light of Dortmund? No. Uh, okay. It was a qualifier <laughs> against Latvia, uh which they won i think they did and he was back in the team for a game against i think macedonia or, or at least was available for selection so it was a one game only uh punishment if you like and you know it, it happened to him and phil ford and those two are the biggest talents english football has discovered in maybe decades so there's not going to be any lingering effects in terms of his national team career and for Dortmund, I mean, it can happen. You can miss a training session or uh, be late for one of them. And I think usually in the youth setup, you are more severe with the punishment for that kind of stuff than you are in the, in the pro level. So I don't really see that as a huge problem for Dortmund. No. I mean, the guy just turned 18 on March 25th. So, um, you know, let's cut him some slack, <laughs> especially when it's happened on international breaks and not uh, with the Dortmund. And uh, yeah, one last thing. I wanted to plug Adam Dorowski's uh, piece on the Yellow Wall. He has done polling for us or himself and asked uh, Borussia Dortmund fans uh, with the looming summer overhaul which players they want to rather stay or be cut, you know, all that sort of thing. And he breaks down the analysis of, of the survey on the Yellow World Pod um, homepage, so you can find it there. Part two will be out as the podcast will be out. Um, and that should be that with our little news section, I guess. Um, Michael, Dortmund against Bayern is obviously a big game. Um, but before we get onto that, uh, there have been a couple of news surrounding the 50 plus one rule. Um, and of course, uh, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge making a couple of statements and... Uh, Dortmund CEO Hans-Jochen Watzke countering that. Um, just a quick summary. Uh, FC St. Pauli, the second division club, has uh, basically proposed a vote uh, on whether the 50 plus one rule should be kept or ought to be abolished. And uh, that vote, I think, was uh, it wasn't unanimous. Anam- an- there were 14 votes for it to be kept there or 18 votes for it to be kept. And there were four votes uh, for, yeah, or that didn't vote at all and or nine votes i don't even know but uh, long story short the majority won and the 50 plus one rule stays and uh, that is that rummenigge wasn't all too happy about that um michael do you know why he was that why do you think that bayern wants that rule to be gone um i mean it was so surprising to me because since when uh does rummenigge really care about the competition actually catching up 
and being like everyone being on a well sort of level playing field or whatever but um it's probably just about getting more exposure for the league uh i mean he probably thinks about the the wealth of the league in general making the league more interesting internationally and obviously directly that will also mean bayern would generate more even more revenue and would make the games more interesting more people uh, see the game wherever in the world oh Bayern are playing and they enjoyed their game they become a member of FC Bayern I don't really know his exact like thoughts why he really said that but maybe a few reasons why he did yeah it was kind of weird how he approached this uh, was the interview in, in kicker and he basically said that he had mentally checked out of the DFL the, the German Football League and uh, you know basically seemed weirded out by the fact that uh, uh mediocre second division team club as he put it uh would have a dominant role in in such a discussion uh because they are yet to feature on european competitions and and whatnot and and basically um yeah <laughs> said that uh you know it was all too very populistic the entire debate because i guess he didn't agree with him because usually let, let, let's face it uh karl-heinz rummenigge is usually one on the populistic side himself. Um, I, I think my, my, my only theory to that is that Bayern are worried now winning the sixth championship in a row that, uh, and with a great margin at that, that, you know, the tension in the league isn't good enough. And they maybe, I don't know what you think, Michel, but they certainly need better competition to keep the tension up throughout the whole season because there's always this discussion, you know, Bayern, become champions quite early and then in the champions league when it counts they are not fully 100 there because tensions drop in the bundesliga is that something you think is is on their minds at bayern um possibly i mean under pep guardiola we still performed really well in the champions league semi-finals apart from the uh, 2014 games let's forget them i guess but um yeah i mean i think it's it's plausible i mean the the players of course always say we want to win every game but i think after a while you just really check into you you just shift down a few gears because you know yeah we're probably winning the league again although if they're probably denying it they still like do it unconsciously and i mean yeah as you said the tension in the league uh gets lower and lower and i mean it could it it's not a good product really after a while i think And that's why he's probably quite worried. The product Bundesliga and then obviously Bayern getting less interesting. Yeah, it's it's certainly you know it's 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 kind of ironic for Bayern that uh, with their dominance and uh, certainly that's what any club wants to achieve. But they're certainly at some point starting to hurt themselves really because uh, you know not only Rummenigge checks out mentally, but a lot of fans do as well from from German football and especially on the international stage. People truly care more when there's an open title race, which currently is not. Um, though I would assume that Bayern themselves do not have any interest to get uh, a new owner in case of uh, the rule being abolished, right? So you don't you don't think that uh, this will happen, that some guy from Qatar or United Emirates or shady Russian oligarch will take over Bayern Munich? I'd, or a big German company, what do you think? I don't think that'll ever happen, to be honest, because Bayern are financially probably the healthiest club in world football, so I don't think that would ever happen. But you never know. I mean, Bayern has gone from 
training camps in Switzerland and all that to Qatar now getting uh, sponsorships with uh, Qatar Airways, uh, Hamad International Airport. So you never really know what's going to happen. I think the club will never be sold to an external uh, entity. Yeah, it seems so. I, I've read a lot on, on Mirzan Road that you guys see that development rather critically. Yeah, we're not... I mean... Uh, at the start of the partnership with uh, Hamad International Airport, uh, Romanik has said that he wants to start discussions uh, in Qatar about the working conditions and all of that stuff. But what has actually happened uh, since then? I don't really, I've not really uh, read a lot about that topic, to be honest. It was probably just a bunch of empty words to please the fans. Well, to be honest, the last thing I've heard on that subject was Franz Beckenbauer actually saying that he has not seen any <laughs> slaves. So, um, <laughs> yeah. And that was a very long time ago, if I recall. So, um, yeah, there's that. Um, another little bit of news, I guess, uh, because I don't want to drag out the 50 plus one discussion here right now because, uh, Michel has to go to the cinema, of course. It's very important. Pacific Rim is a great film, I think. I saw the first one. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> um, Thomas Tuchel said no to Bayern. Um, how, how, how did that make you feel? Uh, I mean, at first, of course, I was quite disappointed because he was, the coach I wanted, the by far, at least in my opinion, the highest profile coach that's like genuinely on the free market that's available. But the seems like the club just really slept on it. Was like just thinking about it. Should we? Should we not? Should we? And then Hoeneß wasn't apparently Hoeneß wasn't really convinced. So uh, after they ran out of uh, managers, they could actually sign uh, very soon. Uh, Hoeneß then gave us okay last week apparently to approach Tuchel then already entered uh, negotiations with, I think, Chelsea and PSG. So it was just a bit too late. And I'm honestly quite disappointed by the management. Pretty awful. I don't, I, currently, I don't really see a vision and a clear path like for the future, what's going on. It's just basically everything's decided like in a pub whilst having a few beers. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Do that. Yeah, Yup's probably going to stay another year and then we'll figure it out. Like, don't worry, guys. Yeah, do you, do you think that your Pankus will actually be uh, inclined to stay another year just when he realizes that Bayern really didn't do their homework and don't have any successor for him lined up? Um, I think be, because he's such good friends with Uli Hoeneß, I think he probably would. But personally, I don't want the club to basically force the man to do another season. I really hope they don't. He's done so much for the club. He's just stepped in and done a, overall a pretty good job again so yeah i hope i really hope uh, he doesn't have to yeah it, it's i i personally think it was a bit mean the uh, entire campaign of of Hernes and uh, rummenigge to a certain extent as well to uh, basically you know publicly talk about well asking heinkes to stay on because he has said himself very clearly that he did not want to stay on that it was a very much an interim job for him but you never know you know with it with the champions league coming on uh maybe he can be persuaded to to continue but uh, overall um michelle because we don't really talk that much about bayern but um how do you think the club has developed since Hunas came back from jail and uh, was re-elected president do you think the club is Going into the right direction, or or as as you just said, you know, it's basically just pub decisions. And do you think that has, uh, you know, whether that's related to Hunes coming back actually? So 
the fu- the funny story is uh, Herman Gerland, who's obviously very well respected. He's done a lot for the club, but it was basically also decided uh, when they just had a meeting. I think uh, Romanigge just had the idea, uh, like, why don't you just uh, work at the uh, our new youth facility at the new Bayern campus, take a leading role there? Basically, just because the, whilst they had cake and coffee or whatever, they just uh, decided that Hermann Gerland is going to take a leading role there, although he's probably not really the guy to do this. And overall, I personally, I, the club is standing still at the moment, and there's no clear, as I said earlier, there's no clear vision for the future. Uh, one thing I have to uh, mention, though, uh, at the start, most people were pretty skeptical about uh, uh um, that was partly down to him not really knowing how to word uh, a few things. He wasn't really doing too well in front of a microphone. Uh, for example, when he said he only ever uh, saw Thomas Lemar on YouTube, for example. And if your new sporting director says that, you uh, you raise an eyebrow, really. But in the last like few months, he, he's done a really good job in front of the microphone and handling the team. And from all sides, you just hear how hard he works and he's just a fantastic job at the club. I mean, that's on that front, we're probably fine, but I don't really see it, like, even in the youth uh, sector. Uh, it's just hard for talent to really break through it by in any way. And even if if we play whoever in the Bundesliga, they don't even get so-called uh, garbage time, the basketball term. So I just, I'm I'm not sure really what's going on at the moment all right so let's let's shift our focus a little bit to the spotting side of things uh first a bit more general question that i have is that i feel that byron's football has been deteriorating over the last couple of years i think that certainly has uh, to do with pep guardiola not being there um your pankis has come in and i think he has done quite the job um but still i don't don't have the feeling that byron are playing all too well Yet they uh, still win a lot. I mean, yes, they lost to Leipzig before the international break, but uh, they had an awesome winning streak before that. Um, how would you explain that Bayern are not at their best yet, you know, lead by by such a big margin in the Bundesliga? Do you just think that the league overall is deteriorating or um, is Bayern just uh, getting results right now they maybe ought not to get in the, in the long run with this consistency? Um, I think really it, it started off uh, really well with Jupp. Obviously, he instilled confidence back again into Vidal and especially Alaba, who's been uh, really good in the past few months. Uh, Vidal only had a short high, I would say. Um, but the problem, especially against Leipzig, was just the whole compactness like of the team. Uh, if you have Vidal as the player that has the most touches in your team, there really is a, quite a big problem, especially in possession. You want to keep Vidal as far away from uh, from the build-up as you can. And yeah, it, it just seems like it, it's quite easy sometimes to overwhelm Bayern on the counter, especially without Javi Martinez. Um, so I'm not really sure what Heinkes has uh, up his sleeve in the coming big months. I think he, he will figure something out with uh, Peter Hermann, but I guess... We- All right, so let's, I guess, introduce Lars again into this discussion. Um, Lars, first and foremost, um, how do you see this game pan out on Saturday? Uh, fairly simple. Dortmund are going to get pummeled. Uh, Peter Stöger is going to go to Munich with a very conservative 
plan, which is to not get pummeled by too many goals, so as to not uh, lose what little confidence Dortmund have built over the last few weeks uh, in the Bundesliga, at least. Uh, it's probably going to fail, and uh, the first Bundesliga defeat will presumably uh, take some of that uh, nimbus of invincibility uh, in very large quotation marks uh, of Stöger at Dortmund because we all know and regular listeners of this show know that Dortmund's streak in the Bundesliga has very been have very much been uh, a lucky one and and for example it should have probably been broken by Gladbach which it now feels like uh, two months ago so uh, he's the the kind of manager and we saw that in in some ways in the the cup match earlier this year or late in December, uh, which was also at Munich, uh, who doesn't really go into that kind of game with with any kind of idea how to come away with the result. He's really going there, hoping against uh, all odds to come away with maybe a goalless draw, but that's about it. So uh, even with the problems Bayern uh, have been having against Leipzig and in the second leg against Besiktas, I think they weren't all that great from what I've been told. Uh, they certainly have the upper hand in individual quality. And now that Dortmund will more likely than not be without Marco Reus and Ömer Toprak, who might just be the two most, most important or at least, uh, best in terms of form players under Stöger, uh, in 2018. I think there aren't too many chances Dortmund come away with anything other than at least a slight bettering. Yeah, Lars, do you, do you think uh, there was a bad call by, by Stöger and maybe Royce and the medical staff? I don't know who, who know which sort of uh, percentages, percentiles to shift the blame there, but uh, considering he just came off a eight month injury to play that many games in such a short stint, um, because now he is most likely out for what is a very important game for Dortmund. Uh, do you, do you think that was, uh, you know, for Dortmund just necessary to play Royce as much as possible? Or do you think they ought to have given him a couple more breaks to just uh, avoid such a, you know, predictable muscular injury? Yeah, with Royce, I'm almost inclined to give most of the blame towards the player because he's got so much experience coming back from injuries. And uh, even Tuchel and Bosch and Klopp, basically every coach always said that uh, Royce is the kind of guy who's really good at listening into his body if you like and, and uh kind of feeling how much uh he can play and when he needs a break but i mean the proof is in the pudding that basically he doesn't have that ability too much because most of the time he comes back plays really well for a few weeks and then as you said the the predictable relapse if you like uh comes about uh i'm not sure how much we can blame the coaching staff, just because they had to deal with some injuries uh, in that department. Uh, Maxi Philip only came back from one. Yamolenko was out for months. Uh, Jaden Sancho was out for a few weeks. So there weren't too many options. But then again, uh, Christian Pulisic got a lot of breaks uh, in the last few weeks in the Bundesliga. Uh, maybe some of them could have gone to Royce. But uh, then again, as I said, uh, Royce with all the experience he has as one of the most experienced players on the team and especially coming back from these injury situations, 
uh, he kind of has to make that call. And if he doesn't, uh, he probably felt he could play all that much. So maybe it's just a, a bad coincidence and we are making more out of it just because it's Marco Reus. Yeah, and just because Dortmund are up against Bayern, I, I don't think uh, the same would have been an issue if it were Augsburg or Hanover right now. So um, may, maybe there's that. Uh, but um, Lars, I have to be honest, I actually think that uh, the injury of Toprak, if if he's actually out, uh, is is more is is just worse than than Royce being out because I don't think that uh, Dortmund right now can compensate for Toprak as well as they can for Royce course with Maximilian Philipp and uh, Christian Pulisic who basically I think he had his best game or one of his best games of the season in in a uh, reverse fixture in the Bundesliga um on on the left side I think it was especially in the second half he really tore Bayern's defense quite well um so I I, I think Dortmund should be covered at least on on paper to make up for Royce and they are really really used to uh yeah being well or uh you know making do for Royce or without him. Um, Ömer Toprak has been a yeah, really great and integral part next to Akanji. Um, question over to you, Michael. Um, I see that uh, Jerome Boateng, after getting a knock on his Achilles heel, I think it was uh, during the international friendly against Brazil, he is likely to be out as well. Um, is that a big blow to Bayern or do you think that the uh, pairing of Hummels and Zulu is just as strong as uh, Boateng would be in there? Um, of course, it's a slight blow because I think Boateng has was on his way or is on his way to uh, really get into form again, which is uh, really important, obviously, later in the year in the Germany uh, kit. But um, I think we'll be fine. Sule has, apart from the um, game in uh, Paris, he's done a really good job and I'm actually quite encouraged by his performances over the yeah, his name was dropped several times uh, when he was still at Hoffenheim here at this podcast, especially by by Lars. I think it was who uh, wanted Dortmund to, you know, try to purchase him. But uh, yeah, now he's playing at Bayern. I think too, he is doing quite well. Um, what sort of team do you think uh, Heinkes will send out there on the field on on Saturday? Is Robin going to play? And uh, what's with Kingsley Coman? Is he coming back anytime soon? Um. Uh, Komor is out for, I think, around one and a half to two months still. So I don't think we'll actually see him uh, play for Bayern this season again. Um, Robin entered team training uh, at the start of the week. So he might be an option for the bench. He might come on uh, second half, but I don't think he's an option to start the game. Uh, starting 11, I would probably just say the, the usual with uh, Ulrich Alaba, Hummel, Süle, Kimmich. And then in midfield... Which is going to be important. Um, I would I would like to see Javi Martinez and Thiago um, as the double pivot, and I think it's a given that um, Javes uh, James is going to feed the starting eleven. He's going to be the key, I think, to break Dortmund deadlock. Yeah, James has uh, gained a lot of attention recently. Uh, I think he was featured on uh, the official Bundesliga channel uh, with a tactical breakdown of of how he plays. Um, and uh, Ancelotti, I think he, he used to play more as an eight or in, in a 4-3-3 setup, right? How is he playing right now? Because when I think back to his time at Real Madrid, I always remember him sort of as a, as a right winger. But how has, has his position been at Bayern? Most, uh, most of the games he played uh, just behind Lewandowski, pulling all the strings. But he's just floating around the pitch anyway. 
Um, so it's not really to pinpoint his position, but on paper he's usually played behind uh, Lewandowski. So I guess uh, Müller and Ribéry will be the other guys behind Lewandowski. Yep. Okay. Yeah, very predictable. Um, Lars, how do you think Dortmund tried to um hold that Bayern team off? And uh, second question to the both of you, um, how do you think this game will set up tactically? Yeah, as I said before, uh, I presume Stöger is going to close up shop as best he can, which uh, isn't very, very well for Dortmund, uh, just because the way their squad is set up, I don't really see them as the kind of side that can hunker down, uh, play with eight or nine men behind the ball at all times and, and then just counter. I mean, they are good on the counter attack, but <clears throat> sorry, uh, more when they can win the ball. <clears throat> sorry again. Uh, in midfield through, for example, Mahmoud Dawood, who's been really good in the last few weeks. So, uh, with the personnel options not being, Overly great. For example, I don't think he can play a back three, uh, because the way I see Stöger, he would only do that if he had three regular center backs and, uh, with Topak presumably out and Zagadou definitely out. He only has two and, uh, something tells me he's not the kind of manager who suddenly realizes that Lukas Piszczek can play as a center half in a back three or even Master Schmelzer. So. Maybe I'll ask him that tomorrow at the press conference. Yeah, whether the, I... <laughs> just remember to give me credit if he actually does and comes away with the result. Uh, so I, I think actually in terms of the, the lineup, it's going to be what we saw in the last few weeks with uh, Socrates Akanji at center back by default, Schmelzer, uh, Piszczek uh, on the fullback spots by default. Uh, Dahoud has to be in the team. And then the question, maybe the only open question right now uh, would then be uh, whether... Gonzalo Castro or Julian Weigel start. They've both been in team training the entire international break, which uh, might be a positive for Weigel uh, just because he needed some time away from games to maybe clear his head. Uh, I think all things being equal, you would obviously want him to start just because he's uh, a better passer, overall better player than Gonzalo Castro, but... Uh, I'm not sure that's actually going to happen. Then the other open question might be uh, if it's Pulisic or Philip replacing Reus. Uh, and as you said, Pulisic has had some success against Bayern in recent games. Uh, and he was also in Dortmund for the entirety of the international break, didn't have to travel with uh, the USMNT. So that might give him the edge with Philip, uh, a decent option off the bench. I Personally, obviously, would like to see both of them start uh, and Andre Schöle sit on the bench, but uh, we all know that's not going to happen. So, is it going to be four-two-three-one against four-two-three-one, Michael? Um, I would guess so. Yes, um, I think the best chances for Bayern are probably uh, with Thiago and James uh, in the starting eleven to break the lines and play those lob passes over the last line of defense, depending on how deep. Dortmund are actually going to set up, I'm guessing, relatively deep. So Bayern might just go back to the other the other game plan and just try to pump the ball into the box with Alaba and Kimmich. It's not a bad idea considering that Dortmund's, uh, you know, are not the best team when it comes to setting deep. They've tried it a lot of times because uh, for some reason their strategy has been after taking the lead that they just try to sit on it rather than staying proactive. And uh, they have certainly invited teams like Frankfurt, Hanover, 
Freiburg, although that's <laughs> Frankfurt is a bit better than the other uh, teams, but nevertheless, they have managed to, um, yeah, in invite teams back into the game because of that. Hanover could not capitalize, but you could certainly see that uh, they were more dominant in the second half. And, um, yeah, I, I just don't see how, uh, this strategy is working out against Bayern. He certainly, Stöger had success with that strategy with Cologne away to Munich. I think there was a 1-1 draw, a 2-0 draw at some point, right? Where Modesto grabbed a goal or two. Yep. Um, but yeah, I don't really see that really working out, but, um, there, there is one particular difference this time around when uh, Dortmund faced Bayern. This is, uh, Michiba Chui. And, uh, last, kind of want to know your opinion on, on him being a holder player because Dortmund haven't had that in a while as, uh, Aubameyang usually doesn't do it as, as, as well as, uh, Batshuayi, of course. Do you think this can actually help Dortmund? significantly more than uh in in other games against Bayern or do you think that will not play such a big role against Boateng and Zule who are going to maybe outmuscle him anyway yeah Hummels and Zule uh yeah, yeah I mean uh, if if there's one center back pairing that's uh, presumably going to be able to absolutely manhandle even a relatively strong striker in terms of physicality uh like Batshua, it's probably something containing Niklas Süle, who's a, a freight train of a center half, and Mats Hummels, who's also pretty physical and, and has the added bonus of perhaps the best uh, positioning by any defender I've ever seen in the Bundesliga play. So uh, I just don't see how Dortmund have enough structured possession to get Batshua involved or that much. Obviously, they are going to lump some balls forward uh, and, and hope he can hold some of them up but well Lars haven't you heard that's been Dortmund's strategy as soon as they realize they're out of ideas <laughs> which is basically from the start so <laughs> yeah well not in Salzburg though they needed 45 minutes to realize that yeah I mean uh, f for one thing I don't think Batshuayi's holder player has actually been all that brilliant uh, in the last few weeks he's had a lot of uh, unsure touches I think he's actually better in terms of link-up play when it's just one touch. Uh, he likes to use his heel and it works better than you would think. But uh, generally speaking, he's just seems to me to be better when it's all uh, in movement and, and he can lay off with one touch and, and try to uh, sprint in behind or whatever. It doesn't seem to me like he's overly comfortable at the moment, at least. Maybe it's down to the entire team being... You know, a bit lackluster in the in the build-up department, but he doesn't seem to be too comfortable uh, playing with the back to the goal, which, uh, in in your theory, I guess he would have to do a lot against Bayern to do some damage. So, uh, I think the the best strategy for Dortmund to score even one goal is uh, a set pieces, uh, which always have some level of uh, randomness to them. Uh, there can always uh something can always happen there and and uh also i think if there's a weakness at bayern's team uh, is uh, that it's at times they can uh, be caught out by the counter attack and that's something dortmund do pretty well even without marco Reus. so uh if dortmund are going to score a goal i i feel pretty confident in saying it's not going to come from structured build up play because that didn't work against uh, Hannover or other smaller teams so why should it against Bayern yeah that's a very good point I would actually add uh, to the uh, counter-attack argument that Dortmund have created most of their goals on the transition 
under Peter Stöger. And uh, I think uh, that Batshuayi is uh, actually very well at dropping deep enough to evade the center backs. So um, maybe that can help with him then instigating a counterattack rather than finishing it. Or maybe, maybe both, you never know. But um, yeah, also a hope for Dortmund fans, I guess, is the resurgence of form in Mahmoud Dahoud. And he has uh, carried on to do just that uh, in the two games for Germany's under-21, where he was pretty good in both games, I would have to say. Um, so maybe he finds a couple of magical passes at, as well. So the transition, I think, is um, something Dortmund can hope for. And C is something that also starts with the C, that's complacency. And uh, if Bayern get an early lead and fail to close the game on, on Dortmund, then we have seen... A lot of times that uh, there is a way back for Dortmund, and uh, maybe maybe that's something to hope for. That if Bayern take an early one elite or make it two 0 at halftime, that they get too complacent and uh, yeah, miss a couple of good chances, and then Dortmund strike back, get back into the game, then have the momentum on their side, and then maybe force an equalizer. Yeah, so, that, but, that uh, that's basically what happened in the cup match, right? I mean, Bayern were absolutely yeah. on top for the entirety of the game, but failed to really put it away. Then Bartra scored his. Uh, it wasn't actually Bartra, that was the, the league match. Someone scored a goal for Dortmund, I don't even remember. Uh, and, and suddenly Dortmund were like one kick away from forcing the game into overtime, which would have been an absolute uh, ridiculous thing to happen be, based on just how dominant Bayern were in the game. But obviously that can always happen, but it kind of feels to me like uh, Bayern really get up for these home matches against Dortmund, especially in the league or in the last few years. They, they kind of... Uh, use these games they are always kind of in this late march early april kind of window as a tune-up for the the bigger champions league fixtures it feels to me like uh that at least so uh you said complacency i don't really uh, expect we'll see that from bayern uh especially i mean maybe it's only like a one percent thing in the back of the mind but if they can win the championship against Dortmund, I'm pretty confident they are going to go all out. Yeah, I was just going to say, how much uh, do Schalke have a hand in, in Dortmund's chances on Saturday? Because if Schalke make it possible for Bayern to become champions on Saturday, I just don't see any sort of complacency in that team because they will want to lift the trophy and they sort of want to lift it in Dortmund's faces, I presume. Uh, Michael, how, how do you feel about that? Would it make you even happier if it comes uh, on match day 28 when Dortmund are in town? Uh, personally, I don't dislike Dortmund that much that it would uh, make me jump around my uh, house to, if Bayern really lift the trophy at home against Dortmund. But of course, in games against Dortmund or the other games, even if it didn't work out against Leipzig, Bayern, I think they always they have a point to prove in the big games. Like, oh, the league is easy. But yeah, we're going to show you in the big games why we're in the in the first place, why we're leading the league. So obviously the players will be up for it and will give everything to lift the trophy uh, as early as they can. But if it doesn't work out, I think it's not going to hurt them. Yeah, at least not in the in the Bundesliga, of course. Um, maybe a quick words. How do you see Bayern's uh, Champions League campaign? progress do you do you think they have actually chances to, to win it this year um how do you think they will fare against Sevilla I guess um I'm being realistic or I'm just pessimistic I don't know I, I don't think it's 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 hard to tell in the in the Champions League uh, in my opinion uh against Besiktas second leg was absolutely absolutely terrible performance where Bayern somehow managed to win 3-1 um 
But then again, uh, in the home match against PSG, they just absolutely dominated PSG, winning 3-1. Uh, Kimmich taken, uh, Neymar completely out of the game, uh, who was quite frustrated uh, throughout the whole match against Sevilla. Obviously, Bayern got a relatively favourable draw, of course. Um, but I don't think Bayern are really going to go out against Sevilla. They know uh, this year that they might have a chance to really win it again, just like every year. Uh, but yeah, I guess it depends on the draw and how Real Madrid and Barcelona continue to perform. And City are, might be the main favourites, but I, I can't see anyone else but like Real Madrid be the favourites at the moment. They are recent. Massive uh, improvement in form, obviously linked to Cristiano Ronaldo's uh, performance uh, explosion. So yeah, I'm not I'm not overly confident winning the whole thing this year, but obviously against Sevilla, I definitely think Bayern shouldn't or won't have too many problems. Yeah, I I don't know. I I think it's going to be a close one. Uh, I wouldn't make Bayern automatic winners in in this one, although. They, of course, are better than Manchester United <laughs> and Jose Mourinho. So um, lastly, um, unless any one of you have to make any points on this game, I would ask for predictions now. Last, you go first. Uh, 3-0 Bayern. Michael? I'm going for 3-1. 3-1. All right, I'm going to, uh, for the good old housewife tip, I'm going to say 2-1 Bayern. Um, Michael, thanks for joining us and uh, providing us with some FC Bayern insight. Um, where can people find you on Twitter and your written work? Uh, I'm a obviously I'm a translator at mirzanrot.de or .com. Uh, my Twitter ad is uh, mikob93. If you want to follow me on Twitter and read terrible football opinions, then feel free. <laughs> and a lot of gifts. And a lot of gifts. <laughs> yes, um, but it's it's certainly worth a follow. It's it's not all just Bayern. So um, please, please do that. Thanks again for joining. And uh, yes, if you want to read about the game, you can, of course, always go to mirzanrot.com because I think the previews they provide are always very insightful. And uh, yeah, overall, it's it's one of the best football blogs out there. So uh, thanks again for joining. Lars, how can people get in touch with you and your new profile picture? Why are you so focused on that, Stefan? That's kind of <laughs> kind of off-putting, if I'm being totally honest. Anyway, uh, they can follow me on Twitter at Lars Polman, uh, Fußball.news, which is Fußball.news for English listeners who are in possession of a decently working translator app, can get some of my articles on Dortmund there. Uh, I am trying to get back uh, to writing some things for the yellow wall, but it's just not working out time-wise. But I'm sure at the very latest during the the World Cup summer break, there there should be something back on there. So I actually apologize to people who uh, mentioned to me that I've kind of stopped writing for that site, but it's just not working out time-wise. Yeah, I have the same issues working for ESPNFC where you can find all my written stuff on Dortmund. Uh so Close. smooth, so smooth. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that that's just how it is. Uh, you know, first be, be, before I uh, write for the yellow wall, I got to make sure I get paid. <laughs> so I apologize for that. But uh, you, of course, can still find the content there. So um, 
So there's that. So um, yeah, if you want to get in touch with all of us, please do that on yellowwallpods.com or at yellowwallpod on Twitter and Facebook and all that ordeal. And as my dog is running circles around me, I will tell you, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher and SoundCloud. And we shall be back next week with a breakdown of uh, Der Klassiker, I guess. <laughs> Although what I find funny is that uh, Sky just advertised... Um, a game on free TV, they will actually show Bayern against Gladbach and in, in Germany for, yeah, free TV. And they also called it their classicers. So, um, so much for all the marketing terms and brandings. But, uh, yeah, thanks again for, uh, listening. And next week, I shall also have uh, another segment of Borussia Dortmund fans from around the world. Hopefully, if not the week after. So look out for that. And with that, goodbye.